You are listening to Sparking Wholeness with Erin Carey, where we talk about all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey everyone, it's Erin Carey. Welcome back to Sparking Wholeness. Today, I'm so excited to introduce you to Daniel Mengena. He is an international speaker, best-selling author, broadcaster, and coach. He is best known for his highly successful Micro to Millions program, being the author of Stepping Beyond Intention and his Do It With Dan and Beyond Success podcast. He is completely self-made and has spent decades perfecting his world-class coaching methodology. And I'm, I've been, like I said, before we started recording, I have been stalking him a little bit, listening to his podcast. What I love is that he talks fast. So all my Southern friends, (laughs) you're going to have to (laughs) pay attention, but you put a lot into your words. And so I think this is going to be a very (laughs) packed episode. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Erin. Really happy to be here to, uh, to serve the audience today. Yeah, this is going to be a great episode. And I really, you know, you speak a lot about abundance and overcoming, you know, limiting beliefs and things that hold us back from, from being who we want to be or who we know we are, but we are held back from. And I would love for you to just speak to just the idea of what does it mean to have a limiting belief and what is that, how does that show up for us? Mm-hmm. So for me, limiting beliefs are any ideas that we hold in our mind, any stories that impede us moving to where we consciously desire to go. Um, Not all limiting beliefs are necessarily bad. Some are actually to our benefit. Um, The belief that I shouldn't really drink too much because it makes me feel sick is a limiting belief, but it's actually an empowering limiting belief. But if I have a desire to be to, to, to be someone, to experience something or to go somewhere. And yet I have a story that says that that's not possible or not possible for me. I would class that as a limiting belief. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's interesting that you bring up that some limiting beliefs can be positive and mm-hmm. they're there to support us because that's an interesting spin. We don't hear a lot about. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, the, the unconscious mind is a really interesting part of us, right? Um, when we look at the statistics on it, the unconscious mind, depending on the part of the brain that we're looking at, the reptilian brain operates at about 10 million times the speed of the conscious mind. As we start to move up towards the neocortex, we're talking about, you know, 10,000 times the speed of the conscious thinking brain. And that processing power is churning out outcomes, churning out outputs according to whatever program that it's running on, right? And so when that program is 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 supportive of whom what we want to be cool thumbs up and that can include quote unquote limitations that are holding Mm -hmm. us within a supportive program but again the challenge becomes what when there's a disconnect between what's sitting in that program being churned out at that speed of 10,000 to 10 million times the speed of what we can keep keep up with consciously and what we're consciously desiring to experience whether it is to be more fully in our bodies whether it is to move through our healing journey, whether it is to have better relationships or health in our body, whatever that is, there needs to be a connection between the two and limiting beliefs oftentimes is that separating factor between those parts of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you threw in the the brain facts because that's one of my favorite things because you're right. I think we, <laughs> we believe that And I think even sometimes when we are trying to have a certain mindset, right, we're trying to control Mm -hmm. this mindset and we're forcing ourselves into positive thinking, but there's a lot that goes on. That's not just the conscious mind. 
Mm-hmm. And the conscious mind, really, it's 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 just hilarious how how little credit we give to the part of our brain that literally means. I mean, I didn't just tell my heart to beat. That's inner yeah. intelligence operating at the unconscious level. I didn't tell the telomeres to keep growing, which means that I'm still alive. <laughs> that again, it's all happening at the unconscious level, the lungs breathing and so on. And yet there's so much more of our everyday experience that's also running in that same unconscious part of our minds, but we don't give it the credit that it deserves and start to build, you know, a relationship with it where we can start to discuss, hey, I know we've been doing things this way. I know we've been enjoying toxic relationships. I know that we've been enjoying being out of shape. I know that we've been enjoying not really taking care of ourselves or having a disempowering financial situation. But this is the direction I'd love to discuss us moving in now. Can we talk about that? And that conversation when had with ourselves in a way that we can actually connect with and, and, and follow through on does lead to results, but we're not having those conversations. We're beating ourselves up. Mm. We're making ourselves wrong. We're being in, sh- in shame and guilt and blame instead of moving forward uh, towards the, the version of ourselves that really can support us in getting those outcomes. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we, how do we keep from getting stuck in, in that negativity? <laughs> Where do we start? I think it's just accepting the negativities there. It's like one of the first points. It might be on intention paradigm. The first step of that is accept. And, um, fun fact it's physically impossible for us to be in resistance and in receivership at the same time it's not possible we can't push and pull at the same time and yet when we're not pausing and taking that beat to accept where we are then we're in we're in resistance to who and what we are and therefore not in a space where we can even receive something different we're stuck and so i would say that the very very first thing we need to do even i would say before we even go back to detailing what we do desire is where am I now in relation to what's going on in my heart right now? And when I've got that, then I can start to look at, okay, where would I like to go to next? And then I can start to track back, where am I in relationship to where I wanna go next? And then I can start to identify what's in the way. I can look at what healing, what support, what growth will be will, will get me to that, that place that I wanna get to. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think about my own healing journey and, and how far I've come. But I remember at the very beginning when I was first diagnosed with, you know, XYZ mental health issue, it mm-hmm. was debilitating. And mm-hmm. it was almost like the label had me stuck. Mm-hmm. And, mm. and like that there was no hope, there was no healing, there was no chance. This is just what it was. And I would always struggle. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. in itself was limiting for me. And so mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of people out there right now that are being diagnosed with, you know, I, I know a lot of my listeners struggle with autoimmune illnesses and, mm-hmm. you know, or, mm-hmm. or they're struggling with weight and they can't lose excess mm-hmm. weight or, or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, mm-hmm. And so it is hard for them to see even that they possibly could be that person with healing at the end goal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, the reality is, is that not all healing journeys get to their final destination. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes, and I've seen this in, in my own journey too, and with a lot of the people that we work with, we become so obsessed with the end goal that we're not even present to the journey. And then it becomes a miserable journey. And then even if you do get closer than, you know, you might've thought you would get, you're so caught up in the fact that you haven't gotten where you wanted to get to, that you can't even celebrate where you've come and how your quality of life has improved and how your inner well-being or whatever the thing is has improved. Fair enough. You didn't drop the 20 pounds, but you dropped 10. Mm. that's 10 pounds gone how is that impacting your your heart how's that impacting your organs and maybe adding time to your life and improving it but we're not celebrating that and therefore losing access to the benefits of where we've come in the journey so far and it's a wonder then why we do get stuck and end up either going backwards or not moving any further forward 
Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and that is, I think that's a good place to segue into mindfulness. And what does mm -hmm. that look like? I know you speak mm -hmm. a lot about mindfulness. So I'd love <laughs> for you to touch on that. Yeah, I mean, mindfulness has become very popular over the, you know, the past few mm -hmm. years. I look at some of my teachers who I was trying to get people to listen to half a decade ago that they weren't interested in. And now, you know, everybody yeah. cares. Oh, people are coming back. Have you heard this? Dude, I was telling you about this five years ago. Like you're coming to talk to me about it. Um, I think mindfulness really, in, in my humble opinion, is about being in a conscious relationship to who we are and what we're doing with our life. And the practices and tools that support us in, in being that, not being in that program, not being in the rat race, not being in the on the hamster wheel, actually being conscious enough to even recognize, oh, wow, I'm on the hamster wheel right now. Do I, des do I desire to remain on the hamster wheel? Oh, I have to be on the hamster wheel right now. Can I be in a place of joy within myself, even being on the hamster wheel until such time as it's time for me to get off? That's what it is, whether it's your gratitude practice or journaling or meditation or yoga of any kind. And that's what my mindfulness is to me. Yeah. You know, one of my, um, a good friend of mine, she's a yoga teacher and her motto is practice with the body you have today. And mm. I love that concept love that. because we do get stuck in, like you were saying the, Oh, but I'm not here and I'm not here. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. like you're saying, it's just accepting where we are today is where we are mm -hmm. and, and it's exactly. okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's great. And, and, and once we can accept where we are and love ourselves where we are, then there's just so much resourcefulness and energy available for us to move on to something else. But we're moving on to that something else from a place of growth and expansion rather than running away or resisting or rejecting whom I am today. Mm, yeah, that's huge, 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 huge. So tell me, what is the difference between mindfulness practices and then positive expectations? Mm -hmm. I think positive expectation as a conscious tool can be a mindfulness practice. But I think positive expectation is a description of the quality of expectation that we have about our life and the outcomes that we're going to receive. Um, for me, faith and fear are two sides of the same coin. One is expecting something that I desire and one is expecting something that I don't desire to experience or that isn't yummy to me, right? And when we look at certain ideas, like the observer effect that they discuss in quantum physics, and I'm not a quantum physicist, so I'm not speaking as a quantum physicist who's got all the answers, but even just from a basic rudimentary understanding of these things, we see that whole chunks of what we call our everyday life, our walking experience, are following on from what we expected to happen and therefore <laughs> called into experience. And I'm not saying that from a even a woo-woo spiritual side, like literally the observer effect is that showed up because there was a belief behind it showing up that was so strong that it became an expectation and the expectation manifested into form as it was observed into form. Like so much of what we experience, even if we step away from the observer effect and look at how we perceive things, the choices that we're going to make. If I expect that things aren't going to work out, how much energy is there available for me to make choices that might even lead to it working out? If I think my relationship's not going anywhere, how much energy am I going to put into showing up every day to support it working? If I think I'm never going to be in shape, how much energy am I going to take and put behind the discipline and the choices that are going to support me having health? If I don't think I'm ever going to have any money, why am I going to bother to, to keep up healthy money habits? You know, expectation is a very, very powerful tool and also an expression of what we, we feel that we're going to, uh, we're going to experience. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm, I'm glad that you did touch on quantum physics a little bit, just because <laughs> I think it's important for people to understand that every cell in your body is listening to your thoughts and that mm -hmm. there truly is 
a, a change that happens on a cellular, on the membrane of the cell. You know, one of my summer reads was the biology of belief by Bruce Lipton. I know it's been around oh, forever, but for me, it was brand book. new. It's, it's an amazing. amazing. And, and he's so got what, five decades of experience in the field. Right. <laughs> Right. So this is, like you said, this isn't woo woo. This is truly Mm -hmm. those expectations that we have. Mm -hmm. They become a reality. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think it's in that book that Bruce says, uh, Dr. Dr. Lipton says like only 2% of illnesses are actually genetic. The rest of it Mm -hmm. is the biology responding to what's going on with the beliefs. That expectation becomes a physically manifested reality. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's science. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And it's, it's scary when you have been wrapped up in decades and decades of negative self-talk and negative Mm -hmm. beliefs. So Mm -hmm. um, breaking that chain is a big deal. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, what are, what are some steps for people to break that chain of um, negative self-talk? I would say the very first thing that I would invite people to do is to recognize that it doesn't matter what's happened up until now, this moment, the moment that we commit to saying, do you know what? Thank you. And this is where we're going next. Magic becomes available to happen. And I very specifically said that magic becomes available to happen because it's my constant and consistent commitment to coming back to that blank slate, even as I start drifting back off into my old programs that supports that magic moving from an availability into a reality for me in my life. Because, you know, we we look at the self-talk, we may spend a day, you know, Oh, I'm going to work on that this morning. Then something happens. Oh my God. And then we beat ourselves up versus, okay, right. I slipped up there. Cool. I'm human. I've spent a lot of time learning to be this person. Great. I I managed to spend six hours a day supporting or two hours or one hour today supporting how I want to show up. How can I take it to an hour and 20 minutes tomorrow versus I'm going to stop all my negative talk talk today. Cause I mean, one of the things I would love to say, if I'm only 15 years old, then I have spent 15 years learning to be the person that I am today 15 years I'm 38 right now at the point of recording this assuming that my analytical function kicked in about eight years that means I spent 30 years practicing the reinforcement of whatever programs I received between the age of zero and eight it may take more than an afternoon workshop <laughs> for myself talk to, to undo it may take more than a year of consistent work in order for me to shift that self-talk. But how deeply can I celebrate that hour of positive self-talk, that week of moving from me beating myself up every day to every other day, right? To just having a slip up once a week and just recognizing those as being part of my human experience, part of my journey and not something to be on myself up for, but actually to look at the time that I spent being in the version of myself I desire to be and celebrating that instead. Yeah, that's good. Cause that is a lot of program override that needs to happen mm-hmm. that, that what we've built up for a long, long time. So I think that that's mm-hmm. important. It's not just going to be a workshop or a podcast mm-hmm. episode, um, but it mm-hmm. is more exposure. So I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, I do kind of want to talk a little bit about this whole idea of abundance and, and mm-hmm. what that means and how you share, because as we spoke earlier, it's not just financial abundance, it's no. everything. And I think it even plays a role in our eating habits, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and those of us who are the, have a past of struggling with going overboard and backing up and over, you know, and never consistently Mm -hmm. nourishing your body in a healthy way that plays a role as well. So Mm -hmm. how does abundance show up in our whole lives? I mean, for me, abundance, I define as all my needs being met and there being sufficient overflow for me to be of contribution to others without concern that my needs are not going to be met. 
And this isn't just financial, again, that's time, that's energy, that's resources, that's whatever. Um, I think people get confused with me around abundance being just money because you know, a lot of the work that we do is around the money side, but that's only because money is measurable and we can track it. For me, mastery is not one dimensional, just as abundance isn't one dimensional. And once I've practiced being able to express my abundance in my finances, I can take that same playbook and run it everywhere because although it may look like there's a different playbook for these different parts of our lives and how we activate and connect to our natural state of abundance. The fact is, is that it's our distorted viewpoint that gives the apparition that there are different playbooks. There is just one abundance is abundance and connecting to that abundance is just connecting to that abundance. So that's what abundance is for me. Uh, I believe it's our natural state. If you look at nature, there is nothing other than abundance in nature, even when humans get involved and start to shift that equilibrium away from abundance, nature immediately seeks to reestablish balance of abundance. If there's a crack in the floor, something will grow through it. Abundance mm. always wins. But we've forgotten that uh, as humans and in our infinite wisdom, aka no wisdom at all, have lost sight of it and it ends up showing up as lack in how we do with each other and how we deal with ourselves. Wow. I'm writing down so many notes right now. Like, usually <laughs> when I listen to podcasts, even my own podcast, anybody's podcast, I you know, accelerate the speed, but I feel like this is one of those episodes people will have to slow it down because <laughs> you're <laughs> dropping so many bombs. And I'm like, Ooh, where am I going with this? Um, but even just that whole, your definition, like let's back up to your definition and this whole idea that your needs will be met, right? Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. right there. I want to unpack that for a second mm -hmm. because there's a lot of people that they're not living in abundance because their needs weren't met in, mm -hmm whatever area, even as a mm -hmm. child, right. Or, or mm -hmm. as an early adult, whatever, mm -hmm. but that's a big deal. Yeah, it is. And I think it's important to create this, um, separation between the availability and the receivership of, because we will have had different experiences. There are some people who didn't have their needs met. They weren't lovingly cared for. Their finances weren't in order. So this crazy Brit coming on the podcast to say, oh yeah, all my needs are going to be written. That's my natural state of abundance. It's available. However, again, we humans in our infinite, not so much wisdom have created these distorted, I mean, look at war, right? Look at famine. How much food gets thrown away every day and yet there are people who are starving, right? And I don't necessarily believe that we will have this crusade that we will have to do that oh i have to starve myself because of the children in i don't know catman deal whatever the thing is that's not what i'm talking about what i'm saying is is that the more of us that are tapping into natural abundance as being the state of how we operate i think it's the heisman uh, is it the heisman um formula there's a tipping point that can be reached whereby more and more of humanity operates the same do I believe it's going to happen this lifetime? I don't know. I expect that it's possible, but I don't know. But what I do know is that the more of us who are living from a space of abundance, the less of us coming from lack, the less of us coming from fear and operating from that place, the less war there'll be, the less starvation there's going to be, the less arguing and beating people up because they want to worship this God or do that. And that's what's going to make you know the world better for my kids and, and their kids. And that's what I seek to do every day. Mm, yeah, it's good. And even your statement of abundance, always winning. I think that there is this homeostatic balance, you know, that, mm -hmm. that comes into play as well, that, that is mm -hmm. always present. And I think that that shows up in nature. It shows up in the body. It shows up in life. And, mm -hmm. and that's very true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's available. It's available, but you know, possibility doesn't equate probability. And I think this is one of the things, even when we start talking about 
you know, um, like law of attraction and manifestation and all that kind of yummy stuff. I think we can get lost in the fact that just because something is infinite possibility doesn't mean that our way of showing up in the world is going to lead to the probability that's going to make it part of our experience. But tools like mindfulness, um, listening to podcasts like yours and having that input and having that guidance to actually show up in a way that's aligned with those outcomes that we desire is going to increase that probability and start to bring it into what we experience in our life every day. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it is, like you said, a journey day by day, step by step, mm-hmm. and it's not going to happen instantly. Um, one of the things that I noticed when I was looking through your information is that um, it was mentioned that you have tools to stop mindlessly meditating and what to do <laughs> instead. And that one just kind of made me feel a little bit because I want to know about this whole, what is mindless meditation? Um, I mean, I think we probably do know, um, but how does, how does meditation, how is it a tool for you? And, and why is it, mm-hmm. why is it powerful? So if I quickly backtrack a little bit, um, I actually wrote an article, I write for entrepreneur magazine and I actually wrote an article about this. And uh, people got really, really upset. They didn't even read the article. They got really upset because entrepreneurs are great. You know, got a great relationship with them over the, the year or two. I've been writing for them. And they, you know, was tweet and tag me on the tweets when they when they put out an article. Oh, I can't believe you've got this title. I'm never reading your magazine again or whatever. I was like, did you read the article? No, I'm never going to read it. Ah. And it's, it's, it's like we lose sight of the fact that we're not just ethereal beings floating around in the sky. We have a mental experience, which is run by the unconscious, and we have a physical meat suit, a body that moves through time and space, right? And all of those things need to be in sync if something's going to show up. It doesn't matter how much I meditate if I haven't addressed the limiting beliefs behind the thing I'm meditating or seeking to create, or if I don't move through time and space, aka take actions and be in the right place amongst the right people, doing the right things, it's going to lead to the, to the outcome that I want. And yet we lose sight of that. Or... We practice all of that, but there's no intentionality in terms of the direction of our practice. And so for me, mindlessly meditating is meditating or doing any kind of spiritual practice without an intention behind it. Number one, because if there's no intention, you're operating on the unconscious program and the unconscious program is operating at a speed faster than you can keep up with. And if that program's <laughs> running, then you better darn believe that you're not going anywhere except exactly where you are. You're going to be on the hamster wheel or we have an intentionality, we execute against that intentionality with our practice, but then we don't do anything to address the limiting beliefs that impede us from experiencing the fruits of our labor or taking the action that's going to support continuing the benefits of it. And so intentional, mindful use of these practices, what am I doing them for? What's the outcome that I want to move towards? What's the life that I want to live? Aligning my practice to that and who I am, supporting myself in getting to that outcome by addressing my limiting beliefs, and taking the actions and doing the work of maintaining an ongoing momentum behind that so I can continue to enjoy the fruits of my labor. Yeah, that's good. It, it, it is funny because when I mention to people, you know, bring up the idea of meditating, stillness, mindful, mm-hmm. you know, all breath work, all that. It's mm-hmm. like, oh no, my, but my brain won't shut off. I can't shut yeah. my brain off. <laughs> I don't think that's the goal is really to shut our brains off, right? <laughs> I mean, some people, I mean, for me, if I'm going off on one and I'm I'm feeling a bit monkey minded, maybe I will do particular types of meditation practice in order to slow my brain down and get out of the monkey mind, right? Because if someone's brain is operating that quickly, they're probably in beta or high beta. They're not going to be in alpha or, or theta, yes. which are the brain waves that we generally get into through some mm-hmm. kind of med- And I also want to just, you know, caveat this, that not all meditation practices look the same. I know people that get into a meditative state and their brain waves shot by walking in nature. 
right? Mm-hmm. Or going for a swim or playing an instrument or, you know, playing with an animal or whatever the thing is. I think it's imperative not to, I must learn TM or I must go and do guided meditation or like find what works for you, mm-hmm. the practices that work for you and engage in those to get you into that space where you can access those brain waves that's going to give you the result that you desire. Yeah, because I mean, we are, I think most people are walking around in a high stress state. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know, you know, as well as hopefully the listeners know at this point that when you're stressed <laughs> out, it's hard to make good decisions about anything. Mm-hmm. Exactly. exactly, <laughs> it's, exactly. It's a lot for our brains. Yeah. 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 We can only think to the level of our current emotional state. And that mm-hmm. thinking is going to be leading to actions, habits and behaviors that always lead to the outcome that we receive. Yeah. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. so good. Oh, so much good stuff. Okay. Well, tell me a little bit about, I, you know, looking on your website, you've got a lot of books out there. Can you just share a little <laughs> bit about what, you know, your books and what you've written and, um, yeah. and yeah. Brilliant. Well, my first book should have been stepping beyond intention. It's the book that I was writing. I did so many drafts of that book. I actually put it out, um, August of 2017. And then I took it back off the shelf, like, an hour later or something because I wasn't ready to put it out in the form that it was but my first book actually ended up being a book about time management and the reason why that was was I I realized I was putting book writing on a pedal stool and I was making it much bigger than it was and so I just gave myself the the goal that I think it was like 30 days I'm giving myself 30 days to write a book and put it out I'm just going to do it and so I sat down I said what's something that I can write about and so I use my model for um, for time mastery. Uh, so the book's called From Time to Time, From Time Management to Time Mastery. And it's my, my model for being able to get more done in, in less time. Um, so I did that. And then I followed that up with The Dreamer's Manifesto, which is a breakdown of my catchphrase, dream with your eyes open and what that means and how we can, we can, it's a very motivational book that just inspires you to, to dream more and, and to step into it. Then Stepping Beyond Intention came out. Finally, we've got that book out. Um, we're actually doing a re-release of that book, I think in January, under a Simon & Schuster imprint. We've got a book deal for that. And then I wrote Money Game, which is a basically a playbook for how to manifest more money, but the same principles we can use to manifest anything that we want. Yeah. Yeah. I love mm-hmm. that. I mean, you, you cover a lot of the bases and a lot of the things that I think it's a practical. Those are practical tools for everybody um, mm-hmm. with what we're going through. Um, can we talk a little bit about scarcity and how sure. that blocks us from mm-hmm. being who we want to be? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So going back to what we were speaking about earlier with this whole relationship between, you know, what's going on with what we desire, how that shows up in how we're feeling what we're thinking and then what we're doing, which we touched on very, very briefly. I teach a principle called the flow funnel. Um, it's in money game, um, which I mean, it's also in stepping beyond intention. That's where I first shared it. And it's really this cross-sected dissection of what reality is in terms of its layers of density and, and how we relate to those like full density matter. We relate to it with our physical body. We move through time and space. We engage with it through our senses. It's often referred to as the three-dimensional reality or physical reality. But then we've got thoughts that happen outside of that, right? And, you know, mind over matter, the mind can generate outcomes that the physical body doesn't actually have the the playbook for. A mother has a child inside a car. All of a sudden, she's got superhuman strength and she can rip it open. Mm -hmm. But then again, we can only think to the level of our emotional states. The emotional state has an impact on what we think. Crimes of passion are recognized by the law as a proper legal argument. If I am in a heightened emotional state, I'm not going to be thinking properly. So we've got this whole chain of things. And when I am in an identity state, AKA what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, and 
inadvertently than what I'm doing have got me locked in a particular place. I'm going to be operating from there and I'm going to be unavailable for other outcomes. So when I'm in a place where that scarcity is the running program on that, then my emotions are going to be scarcity driven. There's going to be anxiety. There's going to be fear. There's going to be whatever that leads to my thinking, which leads to my action, leads to my outcomes. So although we might think that my reality is leading to me being in a place of scarcity, actually it's my identity being one of somebody who's scarce that leads to a reinforcing environment that supports the idea of me being in scarcity. Yeah. That reinforcement. You mentioned that um, you had a solo episode about mirror mirroring. Oh, The mirror principle. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. That's what, that's what that reminds me of. It's that whole mm-hmm. idea of this is changing what we're putting out in order to mm-hmm. receive, right? Change what we're receiving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because what we're receiving is a reflection of what we're putting out. Mm-hmm. But so much of that's happening at the unconscious level. Again, that's where the mindfulness mm-hmm. comes in. So much of it's happening just repeating and churning back out the program that we've been running on that there is just no conscious relationship to it and so we don't even notice or realize that that's what's happening we just end up sort of bobbing down the river playing out the same story over and over again what would you say is the best way to tap into that unconscious mind so in my work around money dna we actually played with um the teachings of gary chapman in the five love languages Mm -hmm. And when I first started showing this teaching, people were a bit baffled by it. <laughs> and then when I break it down a little bit more, people are like, oh, wow, I get it. I get it. I get it. And so that, do, you, do you know your, are you familiar with the five love languages? I am actually. Yeah. Yeah. Do you mind sharing what your primary is? Yeah. My primary, well, I know physical touch is last, which is real funny with me and my husband. <laughs> we always <laughs> love about that one. Um, but yeah. my first one is quality time. And then words mm-hmm. of affirmation is number two. Okay. That's as far as I would even say is far as what I receive well and also what I give to others what you share. pretty set up same yeah brilliant so mine are active service and and, and quality time those are my top mm. two and you are quality time with words of affirmation mm. so let's say for example your husband had physical touch of the primary I always like to use this one especially it works out perfectly when it's the man who's the the other one right and it's, and it's his um, I think that's his number two so yeah <laughs> <laughs> right so we're going to be adults for a second any kids cover your ears for a sec so you know, you come in from being outside, doing whatever you're doing, and you know, slaps you on the bum and says, Come on, darling, we're heading upstairs. I love you. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, there's going to be a disconnect. It's not going to be that you're going to be like, Oh, we don't stop and think, hmm, right. There was some physical touch, but there was no quality time. The words of affirmation were a little lacking, not quite feeling the love here. We don't have that slowed down thing. It happens like that because the right. unconscious processes those inputs at 10,000, 10 million times the speed of us witnessing them, generates an outcome that we call the feeling of being loved or not being loved, mm-hmm. on, right? Same like with with me, like, um, you know, f- my sisters are great at this. They just like plan and do stuff. I'm like, oh my God, I just feel so loved. They just take care of stuff. Acts of service, my primary, I just feel so loved by my sisters. I don't sit there and say, hmm, yes, Luke just did that for me, yes. I believe that I'm going to step into the feeling of being loved now. That's not what happens. It gets right. processed at that speed. But here's the thing. What we then under- can, un- can take from that is when certain inputs come in, my unconscious mind is able to process those inputs and generate the outcome of a particular feeling, in this case, being loved. Mm-hmm. So that means that the fact that that same message coming in through a different medium is not picked up and processed by the mind 
if we go to five languages, if I started to speak to you in Zulu or speaking to you in Russian, my, my son's mom's Russian, mm-hmm. the likelihood that I'm going to be able to communicate this podcast to you and the listeners who speak neither Zulu or Russian is going to be very low. I'm speaking in English. Therefore, my messages, I'm able to communicate them to you. You, the listeners, are able to receive it and translate it. The mind has languaging that it listens to. The love language gives us clue as to what that language is. If we want then to elicit a new program, we need to simply communicate to the unconscious mind in the language that it speaks, what that program is, and to do so on a consistent basis, we're supporting evidence so that it can change tracks and do things differently. It's exactly the model that we've been using to get results with our clients. It's very, very powerful because again, there has to be unconscious buy-in. If there's no unconscious buy-in, there's no outcome. But if I'm speaking to my English speaking brain with Portuguese or another language, it's not going to happen. All I need to do is speak to it in the language that it understands and provide supporting evidence on a consistent basis. And it must change. It changes by itself. It's not even something that you have to hustle for. You have to push it, just speak in the language and consistently shout with supporting evidence and it will change by itself. Yes. That, you know what, that analogy, I think that is like you said, at first it's like, wait, five love languages. How does that, but that's, that's absolutely right. That makes sense. (laughs) Cause it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not actively going well, here are the steps that I need so that I feel loved and supported. No, it's just like, this is the thing that it is and I get Mm -hmm. it and I receive it Mm -hmm. as love. And so I think that's a good way just to even explain any of the way our unconscious mind works, right? Like, I mean, (laughs) anything that we experience as rejection or we experience as failure or, um, you know, expectations of ourselves that aren't met has to Mm -hmm. do with what our unconscious mind believes to be true about ourselves and our world around us to begin with. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 100%, 100%. And when we can start to again, build a conscious relationship to that and link that conscious relationship to a conscious choice about where we want to go. Now we're not bobbing around on the waters into scarcity and into fear, into lack and into the old programs. We can steer and navigate and get the support to steer and navigate ourselves to calmer waters of a kind that we actually want to ports that we want to be to countries that we want to be in. So what you're doing, what you do is build that bridge. Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's important because that's, that's where the block is. Like you said, mm-hmm. it is the block between what we want to do, what we want to achieve and what our perception of the world tells us is true mm-hmm. or real or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Wow. This is great. Okay. So tell me a little bit more about your programs and um, what mm-hmm. you, you know, we talked about the books, but mm-hmm. the other work that you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's just using, using the measurable measuring stick of money for the most part to create a conscious relationship to our experience of abundance that we can then pass into other areas of our life too. You know, people come in thinking that they're coming in just to get the money taken care of and find out very quickly that actually that's just one piece of the puzzle. And more importantly, when you focus on money just as the scorekeeping tool versus this all powerful, all important thing, then the journey between the two just becomes so easy. It just becomes this really, really easy journey of, oh, wow, I am just an abundant person, as is evidenced by the mastery that I've exercised here. And that abundance isn't separate from these other areas of my life. I am one person. These are all areas that are on me. Oh, now look, we've had people whose health situations have changed. We've had people that have found love who have healed relationships, not by working on them, but just by using this measurable area to mm. work in our different areas. And so that's what we do. It's really down to, to that conscious relationship to abundance. I've got my three-day event that we do in person called the Alchemy of Abundance. We do that a couple of times a year in Mexico, although we're going to be doing at least one outside of Mexico next year as well. 
um, you know, the programs and stuff that we've got all around creating abundance of a financial. But again, even the way that we get to that financial approach of abundance is a holistic approach. What am I choosing? What am I feeling? What am I thinking? What am I doing? And how is that showing up in the life that I live every day? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think our relationship with with money, like you said, because that's such a measurable thing to mm-hmm. look at, th- that can reflect our relationship with even how we see ourselves, how we see exactly. others and how we see the world around mm-hmm. us. So I think that that's, mm-hmm. I like that that's such a pra- practical starting tool for a lot of different areas. Mm-hmm. I think it's T. Harbecker that started off the whole, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily agree with how you do one thing is how you do everything, but there are certainly clues about how you do other things based on how you do anything, in my yeah. opinion. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What would you mm-hmm. say are um, just some habits you have in your life that you know mm-hmm. this is what's leading you to a thriving life? What are your non-negotiables mm-hmm. in your day-to-day? Well, first and foremost, not starting the day before I've actually taken uh, dominion over my day. Mm-hmm. So not getting on the phone and getting inputs before I've been the primary input. I meditate before I do anything. Um, that may include some breathing if my brain's a bit all over the place mm-hmm. doing some breath work. I've got certain affirmations and claims that I call into my day before I get out into it as well. And just making sure that I've taken care of my, 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 my energy, my, my emotional state, my thoughts through visualization, and also my body by moving it and getting, you know, getting some journaling done before I get into the day. Those are really important for me. And also um, because my primary love language is acts of service, I make sure that I reflect and prepare and commit to doing something that day that will embody the version of me that I want to be. And just in the evening before I go to bed today, it's one of the things I'm going to ask myself, how have I embodied the identity of who I want to step into that, that that's, that's experiencing what I want to create and committing to that on a consistent basis. Yeah. I love that. I love that you mentioned taking dominion over your day. I think for any Mm -hmm. of the moms with little kids listening, they're like, well, (laughs) how do I do that? But that's just setting your alarm a little bit earlier (laughs) before they get you up. (laughs) I mean, my son is turning two in a little bit. um, And yeah, there was definitely some shaking around when you got... kid and, and me and his mom we had a we had a, a, a routine when he was a baby 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 that um she would go to bed early I'd stay up with him because he would wake up around the same times so I'd take care of the first couple of feeds of the bottle then she'd take over I'd go to bed about two I'd get to sleep in and then she she she'd take over for the rest of the night but you know we addressed okay we're on we're on a team here we both have our needs we have this beautiful interruption to our normal routine mm-hmm, in the form mm-hmm. of a small human how are we going to set ourselves up for the win so that our needs can still be met and we can still be okay to take care of what we need to take care of and so that meant okay i'm going to be doing the late shift i'm going to be starting later mm-hmm. so making sure meetings are starting later so i can get that full rest and have time to get myself together and have that dominion over my day before i get into the day mm-hmm. like if you really want to do something then you're going to sit down and work out the way to make it happen or mm-hmm. you can make excuses and have stories about it it's really up to you. That's so true. And I think it is important. Sometimes you need to call in your, your, um, you know, business partners, your life partners, yeah. your, you know, I, I, I say business partners. Sometimes my out. husband feels like a business partner, like, okay, <laughs> what are we doing? How are we making this yeah. get done? You know, we got lots of moving parts. So I think that's important. Mm-hmm. Well, this has mm-hmm. been so helpful. I have one last question that I love to ask my guests. And that is, you know, sure. the name of the show is sparking wholeness. So if you mm-hmm. could give one piece of advice to spark mm-hmm. someone toward wholeness, what would that be? Mm-hmm. To remember that you are whole already and anything that says anything different to that is an illusion and it's an illusion that you can drop right now if you're ready to do so. 
Love it. Well, thank you so much. Your website, um, give us your website, your podcast information one last time. Okay. Dreamwithdan.com for the website. If you pop on there, we've got a new really cool quiz that helps you identify your abundance block. Um, we've got some other cool resources, the podcasts on there, my social media links, uh, my blogs on there at dreamwithdan.com. It's a central place to get hold of everything. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much. This was a great conversation. I appreciate the work you're doing and how you are inspiring so many toward abundance. <laughs> thank you for having me so much, Erin. The tiniest spark leads to the biggest blaze. And I hope that today's episode sparks you on a journey to healing and wholeness. Thanks for listening to Sparking Wholeness. For more information on what I do and my coaching programs, or maybe just to reach out and say, hey, find me at sparkingwholeness.com or on Instagram at sparkingwholeness. Have a fabulous week.